And welcome everyone back to the Word Alive broadcast. I'm your host, Mike Dobbs. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for your consistency in watching. Thank you for your support on Patreon. We appreciate those that support every month. And of course, it helps us uh, to uh, pay for the expenses of the program as well as some of the mission trips that we're doing. We just got back from Norway and we had some tremendous things that happened. Uh, we had some contacts with some ministers and churches that we had never met before. And uh, some great things happened as we traveled all the way to the northwest coast, right on the Atlantic to Olesen, and then on down, uh, which, uh, you know, Bergen is also on the uh, coast as well. And, uh, and then, of course, we came back down to Oslo and preached in Drammen in Oslo. And there were some areas there in the northwest that are just amazing. Uh, there's a place called the Trollstegen. If you could just imagine a road that zigzags up the face of a mountain of uh, about 1,500 feet, and then this beautiful waterfall that falls down the mountain 1,500 feet. Uh, it is an amazing sight. And then there's the Garanga Fjord, which is one of the most beautiful places. In fact, National Geographic said it was one of the most beautiful places in the world for about 12 years straight. I've been there about two or three times, and it is just, and I never get enough of it. And then I like waterfalls. I, I don't know how you like waterfalls, but uh, I love waterfalls. And there was literally a place as we were driving through the mountains where uh, every 25 seconds on either the left or the right of the highway was a magnificent waterfall uh, that uh, we traveled probably 40 miles, and it was that way. And so we stopped at the first few, but you just can't do that if you're going to make any ground at all. And so uh, we had to just start saying, oh, there's another beautiful one. See if you can get a picture from a distance. And and uh, it was beautiful. We hiked to a few of them, and, and it was just gorgeous, really nameless waterfalls that are just falling off the mountain and, and very, very beautiful terrain. And... You know, I could tell you about it all day long, but we're talking about the Creator, and we're talking about creation. And I could not help but just thank God. Uh, I think he spent some extra time in Norway when he was creating the earth because he made some beautiful, beautiful sights. And so, as I did for Switzerland, let me let you see what I saw. Well, I hope you enjoyed seeing the sights of Norway. It's a beautiful place, beautiful country. They're having a revival there. I've been going for about 10 years, and uh, we are overseeing some churches in that nation, and those churches are experiencing revival and harvest, and we are very, very thankful to be able to sow some kind of time and effort and training into the ministry of Norway to see it get ready for end-time harvest, and uh, that's what our ministry is all about. And uh, we've been talking about creation, and you just saw some beautiful pictures of creation. Uh, but I want to just go back for just a moment and review everything we've talked about from this point on before we move on, because there's something very powerful that I'd like to share with you. We all understand that there were six days of creation, and on the seventh day, then God rested. 
Uh, but you know what is amazing about God is that the way he does things are so perfect that he just does it the same way if he does it again. So the seven days of creation are representative of something very significant. Uh, when people ask me, how long do you think the earth has been here? Well, I believe God created a mature earth, and I believe mankind's been here for a little over 6,000 years, and I believe the earth is probably around 10 to 12,000 years old. Now you say, oh, that's ridiculous, but not really, because a lot of the stuff they try to prove that the world was uh, over millions of years old they is erroneous things, and they cannot prove them. And, and so, you know, when you really begin to look at it, if the world is millions of years old, then that was during the years of creation when God was creating everything. But when you look at the creation plan, you also see the plan of mankind. And let me share with that what I'm talking about. In the first day, God creates light and, and he divides the light from the darkness. And on that same uh, effort, in the first thousand years, God creates Adam and he divides light from darkness he divides Satan's kingdom from his kingdom, and, uh, and he begins to impart light and revelation and relationship unto mankind. In the second day of creation, the waters are above are divided from the waters below. And then in the second thousand years of mankind, he pulls Abraham out of mankind and separates him as a people and as a friend of God in order for him to bring forth a nation that would bring forth the Savior. So as in the creation day, it was a time of division or dividing or separation. In the same 2,000 years, in the, the second thousand year of the history of mankind, he separates Abraham from the rest of the world and creates a holy nation. In the third day of creation, he creates the oceans and the dry land and the plant life. If you read the Bible, you'll find in the third thousandth year of mankind, he brings forth Israel. Okay, And Israel represents the things that are alive and, and the prosperous and growing and developing, just like the oceans and the dry land and the plant life. So the first day is a day of establishing what is light and what is darkness. That's the first thousand years. The second thousand years is dividing. And this is when he divided Abraham from the rest of the world to create a nation that would bring forth the Savior and a people. And in the third year, we see the heyday or the, the great days of Israel as it becomes a nation, as it develops and as it flourishes and grows. In the fourth day of creation, he creates the sun, moon, and stars. In the fourth day of the 4,000th year of mankind is when Jesus comes. He is the sun, and he created the moon and the stars. Well, we understand the stars are the celestial planets and stars that he created, but it also represents the church because when Abraham was being told about his promise, he said, God said, Abraham, can you count the sand of the shore? And he said, no, sir, I cannot count the individual grains of sand. And he said, you will not be able to count the nation of people that I'm going to give you. But then he looked and he said, Abraham, can you count the stars? And when he said, no, I can't count the stars. Well, Abraham is Chaldean and the Chaldeans had named and identified every star visible to the human eye by the time Abraham is 21 years old. So if there's anybody that could count the stars, the visible stars, it would be Abraham 
because that is where he was raised. But he says, no, I can't count the stars. They're beyond uh, number. They're unlimited beyond comparison. And he said, neither will you be able to count the children or the nations that I will bring forth from you. The stars represent the earthly children of Abraham, which is, of course, Israel and the Jews. The sand is the representation of God's earthly people, which is, of course, the nation of Israel and the Jews. The stars are a representative of God's church that are still the seed of Abraham, but we are spiritual Jews because we have been given the same spirit and the same promises of Abraham. So the sand represents his earthly seed, and the stars represents his spiritual seed, which is the church of the living God. So on the fourth day, God creates the sun, moon, and stars. He creates the sun, which is, of course, the Son of God that comes to reign over the earth and bring salvation. He creates the moon, which is a representation of the church who reflects the light of the sun. And then he created the stars, which are the thousands and thousands of, of points of light that are bringing light to the earth and establishing truth and power, and we reflect the light and the authority and the order of the sun. And so when you look at that, you understand sun, moon, and stars created on the fourth day. That is when Jesus comes. And in the fourth thousandth year of man's creation, Jesus comes as Savior and lives and dies and is resurrected and to life evermore and establishes the church of the living God. In the fifth day, sea creatures and birds and insects uh, are, are begin to flourish and are created. And in the same token, it is the fifth day, which is the church age and the age that will end at the rapture. So we see the fifth day is just the flourishing and developing of the church throughout the, the thousandth years and the fifth thousandth year of man's history. It is the year of the church. So is the year, the sixth day. The, the 2,000 years of the church age that will end of the rapture is the fifth and the sixth day of God's creation as it parallels with the fifth and the sixth thousandth year of man's creation. Now it will end with the coming of the Antichrist and the rapture. That is the end of the sixth day. So we come to the seventh day or the 7,000th year. So after all of this takes place, there will be a thousand years of peace called the millennial kingdom when Jesus will reign as the king of the earth. Well, that parallels with the day that he rested. And so the day of the rested is going to represent the thousand years of rest that all of us are going to have in the millennial kingdom when there'll be no war and there'll be no devil because he's bound in chains and cast into the bottomless pit. And we will live in peace for a thousand years under the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the six days of creation parallel the 6,000 years of man's history. And as the day of creation ended on the seventh day, which was the day God rested, the, the time of mankind will end on the 7,000th year, which is the restful period called the millennial kingdom and the thousand years of peace. And I think that's pretty amazing that the 7,000 years of man's existence on earth parallels with the seven days of of creation. I hope I made that clear enough uh, for you to understand. And, and so I wanted to share with you with that because God created the earth and he did it in such a way that he could establish it 
And then he, he says, not only is this the seven days of my creation of all things, but it also is a representation of the blueprint that I will follow in the 6,000 years of mankind and the seventh year of rest. And uh, to me, that's pretty phenomenal. I've shared that with a lot of people in Bible study, and I thought I would share it with you. Now, that brings us back to the next verse, and we ended it at verse number uh, 5 of Genesis, the second chapter. And so we'll pick up there. And the Bible says, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So there's two facts that he wants us to know that will be very important to us at a later date. And that is, number one, that there is no rain upon the earth. So as we were talking about in our last broadcast, the earth had a very thick vapor all the way around it, uh, so thick that the infrared rays could not penetrate like they do today. That is why man lived much longer and aged very slowly. Not only did he age slowly, but everything in the earth aged slowly because it was not aged by infrared rays that come from the sun. So that is the reason why man lived so much longer before the flood. And when the flood takes place, this entire vapor that is this vapor barrier, this thick atmosphere, rains out. And when it does, it precipitates out, and that is part of what causes the 40-day flood. Now, we'll talk about that at a later date. But the second thing is, there's no man to till the ground. God created the ground to need man. God created the earth to to need man. As perfect as he created it, he created it to a place where it would deteriorate. And so there had to be someone that would keep the original order of the creator. And that someone was a partner that God would create, Adam and Eve, and put them in a garden for training for them to learn how to keep the earth and keep the order, the original order of the Creator. And so he makes it clear, it did not rain, so we know rain doesn't take place until the time of Noah and the day of the flood. And then number two, there's no man to till the ground. Now, if God created the earth where it didn't need to be tilled, then of course the earth could prosper without mankind. But where man is necessary is that he is the keeper of order. He is the keeper of the ground. He is the one that would keep order in the garden and take care of the garden and maintain the garden and maintain the order of God's plan. And we talked about the key words in that verse. Uh, number one is plant, and that, of course, is seok which means a shoot or shrubbery or something that is growing. And then the word herb is eseb, and it means to glisten or be green or like a tender shoot of grass. And then the word rain is the word matar. And matar means to cause to rain upon or to become to soak in or to make wet or soak. Uh, and then, of course, till the ground was the last word we used in our last broadcast, abad, which means to work or to serve or to till or develop uh, or to bring into bondage as in controlling and order as a husbandman would do in making sure that the vineyard is prosperous and can continue to grow and prosper in whatever it is growing. And so understanding this, we can see that God created the order of the earth to need man's effort and man's oversight in order for the order of the king 
to be maintained. To me, that's a very interesting precedent, again, that we find in the book of Genesis, and we'll continue through the entire book. And then verse 6, But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So God is trying to explain to us how the earth was watered without rain. And as I explained in our last broadcast, if you've ever seen a terrarium, a terrarium is a contained environment. And of course, what happens is the water begins to develop at the top of the thing, rains down on it. You see the dew on the leaves and no man has to water it. And that is the way it was before the flood. The heavy dew would water the earth and make it lush, and there was no need for rain to fall out of the sky. And so the Lord explains there was a mist, a heavy mist. And the word mist there is the word aid, and it simply means an enveloping fog or a vapor, a very heavy mist that would come over the earth and water the whole face of the earth. The word water there, shaka, which means to irrigate uh, or to moisten, as we would expect. And then, of course, the word face there, panim, actually means the face of the earth or, or the surface of the earth. So the water would come up, the mist would come up, water the face of the earth, and that was the way that things were before the flood. There was no need for rain because the earth had a very heavy condensation because of the very thick clouds that surrounded the earth, much denser than the atmosphere is today. And then the Bible says in verse 7, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now earlier we saw where he said male and female he created, but now he is creating man. In the sixth, in the sixth day he creates man. Now he's telling us in this verse, how he created. It is not a second creation of man. I've, I've heard that teaching, but it is erroneous. There was not two different times that God created man and created woman. In the first chapter, he is telling you that he did it. In the second chapter, he's telling you how he did it. And he said, this is how I did it. I formed man. Now, there's no word here like create. Uh, he did not create man. He formed man. Okay, He made man. He took earth that he had created and he formed a statue and made it just the way he wanted. And then he breathed into his nostrils, which actually can mean his face. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This is the life that comes from God. And man became not a living man or a living creature, but a living soul. So the soul in us, which is an eternal being, is nothing more than the breath of God, which is what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is the breath of God. And so the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Can you see him molding him and fashioning him like a statue? And then he looks at the statue to see that if it's perfect the way he wants it, and then he breathes into it the breath of life, and man becomes animated and, and comes alive and, and the tissue or the, the, the earth or the, the clay becomes tissue and blood begins to flow through the body and it becomes a living animated soul that is enveloped in a human body that was once clay but is now made into living tissue. What a powerful miracle. And he tells you how he does it. And so we're going to talk about this verse in our next lesson. But he formed us. It means through the squeezing or the shaping or the fashioning or the molding. He didn't speak us into being because we were meant to be a part of his plan, a part of his reigning structure, a part of his government. And so instead of speaking mankind into being like he did everything else, 
He formed us out of the clay of the earth, and then he breathed into us the breath of life, and we became a living soul. And I think that when we study the Word of God, we're going to see that this is not an accident or a happenstance, but it is the absolute plan of a divine creator who not only wants us to be alive, but alive forevermore through salvation. And I hope you've enjoyed this, and we're going to continue to study. We just touched on this verse, but we'll continue to go through the book of Genesis, the second chapter, and we hope that you will be with us the next time we do. And we're doing everything we can to make the Word come alive to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Word Alive broadcast. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing to our channel. Once you've subscribed, make sure to click on the notification bell so that you'll be notified each time a new episode is released. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by checking out our Patreon page and signing up for one of the provided monthly tiers. A link to our Patreon page can be found down in the description. God bless you, and we'll see you next time as we continue to make the Word come alive to you.